Welcome to Dogs of Warcry. Dogs of Warcry is a podcast from the Mortal Realms focusing on Warcry, a fast-paced cinematic skirmish game by Games Workshop. You can expect discussions on gameplay, rules, lore, painting, terrain, campaigns, and events. Welcome to Dogs of Warcry. In Episode 7, Season 4, we'll be talking about the Tome of Champions 2021, Better Late Than Never's episode. My name is Josh, and answering the call with me this week, Paven and Eric. How are you guys doing? Woo! <laughs> yeah, we did it! We're back together! <laughs> right. <laughs> Reunion <laughs> tour! <laughs> That's awesome. It's it's a good night to be recording. It's a fun topic to be chatting about. I think uh, Tomo Champions 2020 was maybe one of the last conversations that we had on here. But uh, um, yeah, excited to be back and for a second week in a row, our yes. second episode in a row. Yeah, very, very sorry nice. for missing the last one, boys. I listened in. It was a great episode. Uh, Thank you. It was, great. It was. I missed both the Depticon and the Adepticon episode, so I think there was a nice <laughs> parallel there. <laughs> now you're all caught up. Yeah. Also, I'm feeling fine. My family's fine. Josh, the way you made it sound like I feel like <laughs> we were all like dying in the street, um, and I just want to clear the record: we just everybody had the flu, which also stinks. But we're, we're, we're we live well, just, just in just fine. in case. We're trying just to get those case. ratings up, man. <laughs> <laughs> Just in case, if there, if your family, uh, if anything happens to your family, is there anything you want us to tell the listeners? <laughs> <laughs> or not. And, and second, were there any questions about Adepticon that we didn't ask that you need to get in? Oh, I, I don't know how to answer. I don't have answers to either of those questions, Eric. <laughs> All right. No, then and it's fine. That's fine. Then we're good. <laughs> All right, how do we how do we start these uh, shows? Before uh, let's talk about hobby, the Forge of Mithraxis. What what have you been working on, Josh? Um, mainly, I've been working on uh, some of my Cahadrin, uh kind of getting the Path to Glory lists kind of figured out for that. Because so I would like to try that rule set. Um, I also have been putting together another Ko Warband to test out based on some of the lists I saw during the event. Uh, so I thought I'd try out this balloon heavy list for Endrins and, and one foot dude to see how it actually plays out. See if it'd be similar to the, uh, what the Thundercat list is what people have been calling it. <laughs> so wait, the Thundercat list. Well, so the, there's a Stormcast list where you can take four of those, uh, lion things. Oh, Dracolines. Dracoline. Thank you. Um, with a caster on it. And one of the lists was, uh, quite, effective in in our narrative event but also in the tournament um because it has both melee and good range and it has high mobility movement of 10 and they can climb and uh, go through doors because they're not considered mounts mm. so so i thought oh well maybe i'll try a ko list with where the balloons because they also have movement 10 they've got typically have shooting as well as melee you know would it play the same or not and i'm not sure it's quite the same but it was definitely fun to kind of try out uh -huh. How do they get around? Uh, I'll be interested to see how you get around the low model count um, 
just from an activation standpoint and yeah sort of no, mainly there's they're tough enough that they could handle getting damaged and then you know you could you could easily pounce on whatever you needed because they're so fast so just go somewhere and sit there and tank yeah sounds yeah. fun that's very cool. I guess we'll, we'll, I'll talk. I'll, I'll badger you about your other project. I imagine a little later in a different segment. Exactly, uh, Eric. Exactly. I'm very excited to hear what you have to say. Yeah, what are you um, working on. I've already yeah, seen it so, online too. <laughs> about uh, I think a hundred years ago, um, uh, Dos Asos Aaron uh, commissioned me to to paint up one of the dread holds that he has because he got one like. When people were like sloughing them off and didn't want them anymore or whatever. So he had this one. It's a bit broken, uh, uh, you know, pieces, you know, uh, some pieces broken off or that sort of stuff. But he asked me if I paint it. And I painted about 40%, 45% of it. Uh, and then uh, I kind of put it away. I got tired. It was hard. I did all the metal first and like almost first. And that was just too much. And then uh, about a, two weeks ago, I pulled it back out and I'm like, I. I got to get this done and just out of my uh, hobby, like out of the bins and just get it done and off the proverbial plate. Um, and I knocked it out in the last uh, few weeks or two weeks. I've been, you know, finishing up the, uh, the flats and um, getting uh, wash on everything and then dry brushing the heck out of everything and line highlighting all the metal. And it's finally done. And I got to play uh, my first game on it fully painted with my son tonight of, of war cry and nice. high ground. And there was some pretty high ground. Uh, I tweaked it so that the highest ground is what uh, counted. Oh, I could talk about this in gameplay, but uh, anyway, it was a lot of fun to play on and nobody got hurt or stabbed. Oh, nice. Hella jealous, Eric. I've been like, I also started working on my dread hold. I got from Davey. Um, yeah. And I'm, it's, it is a crucible. I have to change something. I am now, I've done one wall section. And I'm like, like <laughs> a week on the day. I, like, I, I think I'm doing it wrong, man. I'm dying. Well, I just put up a hobby blog of here's how I did it. And here's how I'm going to do it differently next time because I did it all the wrong ways, I think. So I might be picking up, uh, Aaron has a second one that I might be working on. Oh my uh, god! At some point, I know, right? And and I'm I'm what gonna need all this dread hole for. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, we're gonna have a huge siege battle. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But uh, uh, maybe you and I can uh, can team up and be like, all right, we're hitting, we're, we'll break it down into its chunks. We're gonna hit it this way, and then we'll get it done together. <laughs> no, never again. I, <laughs> I'd be, if I ever I'd get happy this to my part over, I'm throwing it away in the garbage. And never <laughs> All right, you and I can talk about uh, my my fee for getting it done for you. <laughs> no, I never. I would never have somebody pay, else paint my miniatures. Um, <laughs> actually, that's not true. I've had people paint them. All right, I want to complain about my dreadhold now. Um, so I think the problem is I don't like the finished product that much, and it takes forever because it's terrain with trim on it, which is a nightmare. Um, yeah. Yeah, and so I two things I need to do is one I've been priming everything black, which means I have to paint everything because there's no black on the end product, um, so that takes forever. Um, so I have to find a way to prime the trim, uh, and the trim is bronze. And GW, I tried Rune Lord Brass; it's a horrible bronze primer. Don't I can't recommend it. I know I try to stay positive on this podcast, but it's like a pink bronze. And like, whatever, what do you want to base coat a pink bronze? 
Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. So I, yeah, I just went on, on some Amazon today and I just like, I just need to find a bronze primer and it didn't seem like any of the, the big hobby paint uh, producers had any like strong, like dark, dark bronze brass primer. Mm-hmm. So I just am ordering kind of just regular metallic paint. And so hopefully something can get me to a place that I can just wash it or dry brush it. That comes out well. Cause that will really help me. Cause the trim is what takes forever. You're right. Yeah. And if yeah. I could like not base coat the trim, that'd be huge. And the other thing I want to do is I have to fix the problem of like not liking the end product that much. And so I think to like spice it up a little bit, I want to like create a stamp of some like chaos runes that are like either, you know, scrawled on there with blood or like kind of like slowly, like magically going across the, uh, the walls of the dread hold. Um, and, and so I think I'm going to, I don't know, I don't know exactly how to like make a stamp out of this that I can like put in the blood for the blood God and then stamp it on the wall. Um, like a stencil maybe? Some combination of like green stuff world, like rollers and then, it's finding a way to make a mold of that and then making an inverse mold of that to make a stamp. Hmm. Um, Cause it's already a stamp, but it's in a roller. So it's like, you can't really use it. I don't know. Uh, that, that's what I'm going to try. Uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, other than that, I'm working on a couple of warlocks for the research Eldar release. And I finished my last war chanter. Uh, that is part of my uh, iron jaws army. Very, Very nice. cool. Wait can, wait, can you guys hear that background noise? Yep, it's fine. We have kids. We know. <laughs> no matter yeah, what age they to, are, they he, can throw He some knows cameras. I'm unavailable uh, for bedtime, and it seems like he's having a hard time about it. <laughs> oh, man, I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, I probably should have prepared him more emphatically. Oh, Let's okay. hope he doesn't fall to chaos. <laughs> it's too late. If, if there's anybody that worships the dark gods it's four-year-olds <laughs> yeah. they do not care where from which the blood flows as long as <laughs> or candy <laughs> that's funny that's funny well best of luck in this new route on the dreadhold if uh if that doesn't work come talk to me and we'll We'll have a session. We'll talk through it. We'll get our we'll get ourselves straight and come on a new way. I appreciate it. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Happy to help airbrush stuff too. <laughs> All right, excellent. So, moving on to Path to Glory, where we talk about games that we've had since our last recordings. Um, I'm going to kick it off with you first, Paven, because you didn't get a chance to talk about your games in our last session. Yeah, so these are all games played in the last month or so. Uh, so nothing I get since the last episodes. But I did get to play a game against Eric, a fun game of catagomes where I got to whoop him in the whoop him down below uh, in the the lava pits with my tarantulas brood, which was my first time playing those guys. Pretty fun. They get to roll a lot of dice. They don't really hit very hard, and they're kind of they're not super tough, but they get to roll a lot of dice. And they seem got some cool moves. Uh, so that was a really fun game. Thank you, Eric. Absolutely. Um, and then I played a game of Gits versus Sylvaneth using the Thondia rules um, nice. against my buddy here at like my uh, just at my house. And I get I used Ripa's Snarlfangs from Tome of Champions to see how they played, and they were nice. pretty fun. They didn't feel like they didn't feel as good as Squigs. Squigs felt faster and stronger and rolled better dice. 
Okay. Uh, but they were still cool to just have a different kind of uh, goblin to run around with. And the Thondia rules, I think, are really good and really fun. Um, we played the one where when you capture an objective, you find out, like, once it's captured by somebody, if it was a real treasure or a mimic. Uh, gotcha. And so if it's a mimic, it, like, attacks your fight. <laughs> does, like, die three damage to everybody yeah. within the range. And uh, and then goes away because it wasn't a real treasure. Or if it was a real treasure, then somebody could pick it up next round. Um, so I, I really like the the Thania rules in that white door. Um I didn't fun. realize that there were mimics in the universe in Agency where I know them from like D and D and stuff. <laughs> but it makes me want to make a whole treasure chest army of like Squig's treasure chests. Yeah. Well, so they don't mean, use if... the word mimic. Oh, okay. Um, but, but we know yeah, what it, it would is. Be, it would yeah. be called. It would be called like cruel mixolos, uh, and that would be the the, the GW name. <laughs> um. I mean, Squigs are basically mimic mushrooms, right? I don't think they look like anything. I think they only look like a squig. Oh, that's bias. <laughs> face, a face only a father could love. Right. Yeah. Or, or kids. <laughs> squig daddy. <laughs> yeah, those, those Thunder rules look pretty cool. We were, we were talking about it last episode and how it'd be fun if the four of us could get some games going in Thandia and try out some of the missions and, and uh, aspects. Nice. How about Definitely. you, Josh? What games do you play? Oh, I got lucky and got two games in last week. So I did get in. Uh, we had uh, a new player at the, that showed up at the Warhammer store uh, who hadn't played any Warcry. So I was, he was he had some cool boys from the Dominion box set. And so I was walking him through the rules and, and playing my KO force. We kind of uh, simplified the the mission, you know, just to, to take out one of the different... Um, but, uh, battle groups uh, to make it more simple instead of chasing treasure or whatever like that. He seemed to enjoy it, and uh, he was hoping to, to get some more games in in the future. Um, it was fun. Uh, it was it was fairly close, but uh, the balloon boys were fast, and I was able to to kind of converge on his uh, the element I needed to assassinate. Although he did manage to take out half of mine, just low numbers and all. Uh, the so second you game, the new uh, guy. Now, I didn't clobber him. I made sure it was, you know, <laughs> You just beat him. You just beat him soundly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I apologized ahead of time because I told him it was an experimental list. So <laughs> he said, no problems. <laughs> I don't know how to not beat you with this list. I don't know how it goes. <laughs> to In the, uh, the second game, I get to play my Darko Savagers on the Red Harvest terrain, which was a lot of fun, um, against Whitney. Um and uh, she was playing Seraphon. She actually had a mostly Soros Calvary with, with a couple on foot. Uh, it was a fun game. Uh, her, her dice were not doing very well, unfortunately. And uh, my, my uh, Darko Savagers were able to hold the center by the end of the game. But, but it, was, it was fun. We had a lot of good, a good time. Nice, nice. I only got one game in. Uh, and that was, like I said, it was uh, starting to talk about as I... It started snowing today again. Or it woke yes. up to a bunch of snow, uh, which means uh, Little League practice was canceled, and I didn't want to go out and play basketball in the snow. Uh, so I was like, Miles, do you want to play some Warcry? And he was like, yes! Uh, and so he got to be um, the Iron Golems plus a Fulmerade Crusher, because he likes playing the Fulmerade Crusher. Um, and we played on the new Dreadhold, uh, newly finished Dreadhold, and we played uh, Higher Ground, uh, with the stipulation of highest ground win. So we had like three layers or four layers of, of ground. So I said, if you're 
if everyone's on the ground and one person's on the, you know, if you've got the most on the, you know, first level, then you score. And the, you know, if you're on the highest level, then everyone below you doesn't score. And he deployed on the highest level. And it was my job to try and knock him off. And I had, hmm. I had nice. smokers. I had one lead belcher that almost knocked him off, knocked off his dominar uh, off of a, a bridge spanning the two towers. But uh, I didn't get enough sixes and make him roll enough uh, uh, to, to fall off. So in the end, he scored four. I scored one. But there was a – that that um, ogre breacher is a shorter in stature than my ogres. Uh, but hmm. packs a bigger punch for sure. Um, so it was a lot of fun. It was it was good uh, good getting on the table. I haven't uh, yeah haven't played my son uh, a lot, so it's been almost two years since he's played. Uh, mm-hmm. That's fun. Still, yeah. Uh, so I got to push a little bit harder, and he got to brag a lot about winning. So <laughs> it was good. It was good. Rope him in. Rope him in. Absolutely. <laughs> that's all my games. Very nice. All right, now to the visions of madness. Uh, I don't think there's anything new, is there? There's covered it. some stuff, but it's not in hand, so we, we could wait till next time, definitely to cover. Okay, is, can you tease us and what what the some stuff is? Yeah, so White Dwarf four seventy five has uh, some additional Warcry stuff. Apparently, it has a quest to become a demon prince. Um, I have Ooh. no details. I've seen it, but my white dwarf has not arrived yet, so I have not read it in depth. I mean, that begs the cool. question. If your leader, if one of your warband leaders were to become a demon prince, how would you model that? What right. would you use? Yeah. Can Depends, I, I guess, on the scale. Yeah, once we have the details, we'll definitely dive into that next time. Yeah. And of course, there is the uh, the Underworlds reveal for Nether Maze with the two Underworlds warbands. Some more Skaven, Eshin, and uh, some, you know, a Canine Knight Shadowstalker. So those will be, I'm sure, getting rules at some point. It, it does seem like we're going to be paying a lot more attention to Underworlds, not just for alternative models, but because of T- uh, Tome of Champions 2021. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's more likely that those models will be able to be used in Warcry. Yeah, definitely exciting that way. Yeah, very cool. Perfecto. So more details on those as we get them. In the meantime, we're going to jump to the Circle of Paint Challenge, where we're talking about our progress in the Circle of Paint for this season. And I am still painting, and it is becoming increasingly obvious. I need to hurry up because we're down to season it's episode seven. I'm episode seven, Josh. <laughs> Do we need to start assigning milestones that each episode has to be a percentage of your war band? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. This episode, 75%. Next episode, 100%. <laughs> right. Right. Oh, boy. It's like those, uh, it, you know, I can't remember, escalating, you know, leagues. Right, right. Oh, by this point, have what's next unit done? <laughs> need yeah. one. Although I've heard that the speed that Paven's going, maybe it should be Paven Dreadhold versus Josh uh, Darko. <laughs> Oh. No. Okay. Well, Josh, good luck. I Thank know you. you uh, this happened last season, and I know you uh, came came got over the finish line and actually came in to win it, uh, much to my disappointment. <laughs> but my my follow up question is like, 
Are we still painting a monster? It, it, you know, I don't think we have to. Um, <laughs> okay. I I would eventually like to paint up my chimera, but yeah, maybe I'll try and do that for the next season <laughs> or in between. <laughs> All right, great. I'm done. I, got, I do got to say when uh, I did listen to the episode where you decided what you were going to do and monster came on the table and was like, dang it. Cause I would love to paint a monster here soon. So maybe Perfect. we'll save that for this, uh, this next season. Yes. And, yeah. uh, That's a great excuse. <laughs> I'll, I'll save you. I, Hey guys, we can re-edit this. Hey guys, could you not do a monster this time so that I can jump in on monster for the next one? Oh man, I had a really good idea of this uh, Mutalix Vortex Beast of Ragnarok conversion that wasn't stressing me out at all. I see Uh, it. I guess I can save it. (laughs) Thank you, David. What a good friend. Uh, (laughs) He just wants to beat you fair and square too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He wants it official. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. All right. So with uh, all of this uh, hobby and games and catching up, having a good old time out of the way, let's get down to business. In this episode, we're going to talk about Tomo Champions 2021 and uh, what's new, what's different, what's, uh, what's speaking to us. And uh, what are we excited to play with in this uh, uh, coming year? So um, why don't we start with rules updates? What's just kind of the the level set, the core things? What's different? What's new? Uh, What did we find in that regard? Josh? Yeah. uh, So fortunately, um, you know, just like in the previous Tone Champions, it kind of summarizes some of the changes. And and nothing new in terms of the rules have changed that, you know, but they did add uh, just the Tarantulas Brood and the Darko Savagers to the Chaos Rune Marks list. Nice. So, uh, but yeah, in terms of that, the campaign rules are all the same, which uh, you know were all good changes from last time. So that was that was good. Cool. I, I have two two comments. First is Eric. Did you see yes. that in the last Toma Champions they made all art uh, like consumable artifacts a free action to use them? I didn't know that. That was huge quality of life improvement for artifacts. So I just wanted yep. to call yeah. that out. It's also in this book, but it just makes them so, you know, a lot of artifacts useful as opposed to worthless. Um, <laughs> so they kept that. It's now a part of the core. Yeah. Yep. It says cool. it's like a special lesser artifacts rule that all consumables, you get this, you know, you get, you get to use them as a free action. Or it's a bonus. Very cool. Not a free action. It's called a bonus action. Bonus action. Yeah. yeah. Um, Some action economy. The other thing, I guess I just want a reminder, Josh, if you can remind me here. You were, when did they make the, the rule change for you can always get reinforcements on your convergence game? Uh, it was back in 2020. The okay, that was, like, that was like one of the first go-arounds. Okay. Yeah. So I, was, I was like, oh, I forgot. I, I, I forgot or never knew that that was a rule. So yeah, I, we never I, got I a chance to really them. use it. In our campaign, so you know that was kind of why you know, we had a league, but it was short. So I have a little bit of a beef because I mean, for the most part, being gone, everything was good. You guys kept everything in check. When did we get giant animals and mounts like that? In like, there's paladors that you can ride, and those dracolines. It seems a little 
a little big for Warcry. When did that happen? That With all happened. the Grand Alliance books. Yeah, it kind of happened slowly over time. Like the second release of all of the non Warcry specific warbands kind of scaled up the game a bit. We got some Calvary in that. We got like Storm Vermin in that, which are pretty big. And then the Grand yeah. Alliance books are just like, forget it. Just play with everything. <laughs> almost everything. Almost, uh, almost yeah. everything. You can't like bring yeah. Archon yet. Or Archeon yet. Uh, but like, yeah. That's coming. Bring, like, the the, yeah, the Kilobost yeah. on Nash Tooth, which is on like a giant base. You can bring mm-hmm. the Chaos Lord on Karkadrak. Um, yeah. It's just, it's, and I've been on record saying that those, I agree with you, Eric. Those things are like a kind of out of scale for the game of Warcry. Yeah. I, I mean, remember I, when, when in, uh, I was going to say in, in, I think it was the 2019 when you could bring in, when we did our, um, the uh, challenge painting challenge right. for the, um, what are they called? The Varengard. The Varengard. Like those guys were pretty big and it was kind of like, okay, that's like almost like a foam marine crusher, kind of rare like that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. so it's, it's, I mean, the Palador, uh, Stormcast Palador is like my favorite model almost in the whole stormcast range so i'm excited for that i guess mm-hmm. um but it's i like the little like creeping on ledges and stuff so it seems like a little bit just a uh a different than that yeah i really liked kind of the jabroni aspect of Warcry, where it's just a bunch of dudes dying in the bloodwind spoil and nobody cares about them you know <laughs> like, like even your leader is just a unit champion yeah, and they're like, they don't even know who Corn is. They're just like, man, I'm just getting really angry all the time. I'm not sure why. And I'm the like, minor, that's, it's that's the, the blood speedos. You know, they drive everybody crazy. Um, yeah, and then and now, but like everybody's in the party now, which is cool in its own way. But you know, I would, yeah, you know, I like a scaled down kind of uh, work. Right? Yeah, that'll be my. That's the only time I I mention it in a negative. Uh, just coming back and being like, whoa, that's crazy. All right. No, we're a, we're a clickbait super negative podcast now. Eric. <laughs> <laughs> we're like, is G- GW failing? <laughs> more to find out. Are they to blame for me not having fun? I think so. Um, all right. So now we get you know. So off base rules pretty much the same. Everything's feeling copacetic. Uh, big wide arms embracing everything. Uh, or much of much of the the model range. Mm-hmm. Then probably one of the more complex things uh, and hard to maybe parse out is points updates. What sort of I know uh, you know Josh, you put on here trends, which you know uh, maybe implies that you've crunched the numbers. Have you crunched some numbers? Uh, no, I didn't put that trends in. That was all painted. Oh, okay. So I don't hey, know if he has a crunch mind or not. But I was hoping. I, okay, so I put in the topic of trends, hoping that other people put in the details. Well, so so here's what I did. Uh, I looked at the the the, the warbands that I play. I did go through and be like, okay, which ones are up, which ones are down. Mm-hmm. Um, Stormcast Vanguard were the first Stormcast that joined the fray, mm-hmm. um, and the biggest thing is the Aetherwing, which are unit like for flying around being very fast and sort of just sitting on objectives and stuff went up 20 points which is yeah. uh probably a good thing right you can't then you can't put quite as many of them in there and uh um they have some weight to them they're still probably going to take them um 
but they went up the most. Um, and a couple of the Raptor Primes came down to make you more likely to use the Primes, I guess, which is cool. Um, the Maw Tribes, Ogres, almost everything except the Noblars went up. Uh, some things as much as 20 points. Uh, Untamed Beasts, uh, being the perfect Warbin that they are, like, one went down a little, and one went like one went down five points, and one went up uh, five points or ten points, you know. But otherwise, pretty perfect. Um, the iron golems was interesting because overall they went like three of them went up points and three went down points, uh, and the ones that went up added a little bit more. And so I wondered if that had to do with like you make some a little bit cheaper, but you're still trying to get to a thousand points in that starter box. Um, so needing to kind of balance it out a little bit, but out of my, um, overall, it seemed like lots of units were touched. Like a lot of uh, models were touched. It wasn't like, a just a few here and there. There was like quite a few, like all the corn bloodbound, every single one of those changed in points. Mm-hmm. Um, and it felt like overall, maybe things went up in points from my small sample, the trend in my little neighborhood seemed like everything trended up. Anybody else uh, crunch some numbers for their own warbands? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. I think um, they, they did pass every single warband and there were definitely points changes everywhere. You know, for the Cypher Lords, I had two models that went up five points, you know, so not huge change, but uh, for the KO, which had, you know, a lot more choices, there was a, there was a lot more um, to, to to take in, but most of the leaders all went down um, five to ten points, except for one, which is the you know the Endern Master on a dirigible you can fly around. He went up five points, so not a big change. But uh, but of the basic troops, you know, you know like the cannon and the volley gun, and you know, a lot of those more powerful shooting options. A lot of them, thirteen out of nineteen of those models went up in points, either five to ten points. So. Canite um, Shadow Stalkers. Um, there was a mix of decreases and increases. Most of them about five points. Uh, one was ten points. So, not a huge change. Just a little bit of you know adjustments across the board. And I, I think you know I think overall though, you're looking at you know some of the like Skaven models. A lot of the Skaven models went up in price, especially as you might imagine, you know ogres and things like that. You know big beefy hitty nasty things all went up in price. In the in the rats, rats swarms went up in price, so you couldn't you know put as many in your lists. Yeah, know, Paven, did you I, have a chance? The to only look? trend I'm trying, to, I'm looking over all these points, and I haven't crunched any numbers, but it seems like there's no, there's nothing that's just thirty five points anymore. Uh, they've kind of brought up the floor. The mm-hmm. only example I have is the giant rat, which I think you mentioned. Um, yeah, the yeah, that's forty now. Yeah, I don't. I don't it's know. 40 oh, points, uh, yeah. One thing that they didn't touch is the Tyrantulus Brood or of the Darko, Darko Savagers. Yeah. Yeah. They just are, came are out, the though. Spiders? So. Are the spiders 35 points? I don't know that. I don't know. <laughs> they might be. They'll probably get tweaked later, I'm guessing. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. All right. I don't have a lot of other comments about point changes. I just I don't mm-hmm. think about them too much. I mean, I yeah. think. I mean, it was nice to see them um, taking an active look at them, uh, take the time to sweep through them and, and try and make some points adjustments. I mean, <laughs> when you're doing this many, I have no idea like how effective it is or how, um, you know, if they're using your formulas or that sort of thing. 
I know what was the the big thing that you talked about, uh, Paven, like toughness, you know, back in the, you know, higher, the higher and higher toughness isn't that important or maybe you pay a little too much for that. I don't know if I didn't look to see if any of that got taken to effect differently. Um, yeah, I but yeah, I agree. I think it was nice that they took the time to go through them and maybe that'll be something that not every tone of champions will do that, but maybe mm-hmm. every couple. It, it was nice that they did it. Like it yeah. had been two and a half years. Uh, so it's nice that they did a balancing path and they're trying to make it a little more things, a little bit more even mm-hmm. um, it. I could see their hesitation with everything printed on cards that they didn't want to like invalidate the cards. Um, but I mean, yeah, they'd been printing a lot of books already and a lot of rules and books. So it may make sense now. And I, I just checked the spider swarm is 35 points still. So okay. sweet so for me. Cheapest. Yeah. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> All right. So, <laughs> So points, uh, it, at the very least, it gave us a chance to go in and look at a whole bunch of different ones, uh, redo our lists, um, figure out what, what we have different combos and different uh, makeups for our lists. So that's cool. That's always fun to have a little bit of a shakeup that way. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and now uh, Siege Battles. So in uh, oh, Open yeah. Play, uh, every I feel like open play gets overlooked a little bit, right? Uh, mm-hmm. We want to play campaigns, that sort of stuff. But they always put something in the Tome of Champions for open play. And it's always, you know, a little bit of flavor and a little something. In, and it's usually pretty rules light, but gives you something to try out. So um, in this um, Tome of Champions 2021, we have, uh, Demi- uh, what is it called? What's There's the two types of open play. There's the Triumph and Treachery, and there is... Coalition of Death. Coalition of Death, which is often kind of a free-for-all kind of thing. So in this time, we've got Siege Battles, and specifically we've got uh, some more specific, the Siege of Karngrad. Uh, what did you guys think of these rules? Oh, very cool. I really yeah. like a good Siege Battle. I think all war gamers like a good Siege Battle. It just feels so epic, so Helm's Deep. Um, and it was great to, to have rules to play for it in Warcry. And it got me really excited about painting my Dreadhold for better yeah. or worse. Um, and it feels almost written for the Dreadhold, even though it's a scenery kit they don't make anymore. Because it's just like a <laughs> chaos bastion all in a big line with a big gate in the middle. Um, mm-hmm. And we have, Eric, we have those. We do. Mine's painted. <laughs> and it's not even mine though so i don't this, have that what is this knife doing in my back <laughs> i mean at the end of the day you get to own yours and mine is just borrowed uh so uh maybe you can you can get a, a turn uh, back on me um yeah back in uh age of sigmar 2.0 they came out with siege rules for like you know age of sigmar and uh that led to us uh um, doing uh, All Hallows Siege, which was a, a really great like um, multiplayer narrative, Age of Sigmar, where we sort of like I, I built out like multiple layers. So it's like uh, it's one thing to have one siege, but what if you could have four sieges in a row? <laughs> so you're like sieging the outer wall, then the inner wall, the innermost wall, and then so on and so forth. The catacombs underneath, etc. Um, and so uh, I am definitely excited to play this. Uh, have you guys, have you guys, uh, I mean, in our game is played, none of us have played it. Has anybody 
Right. Uh, well, first and foremost, I would say, what are the things that you like about this light rule set? Is there anything that stood out to you in terms of, uh, you know, A, it's could use the dread hold uh, or the scenery that we have. Uh, anything else that you liked about it or didn't like about it? Um, one thing I liked is that it actually adds some rules for how to, if you're playing a campaign, you could still play this and gain glory for your warband whether you won or lost. So I thought that was mm. nice. Um, that, you know, like you said, some of the open play um, almost ignores or it's almost outside of the narrative campaign. Well, this one can be incorporated into it as, you know, maybe a special event during the, the course of a campaign. So, Yeah. Uh, free monster uh, for the attacker. Yeah, for the attacker. That's, that's a nice way to get more monsters in the game. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I like that it seemed to be pretty simple and would scale to the number of players really well. Like, even if you had somebody show up late, you could just be like, all right, on the next round, we're going to, uh, you know, just roll to see if, like, your dagger comes in. Um, and I think it could be, like, a very inclusive event that's, like, casual. And, you know, you're just like, whoever you got, you can just, like, divide up sides and have, like, a really epic battle. Nice. I, uh, and, you know, there's there's a little bit, a few people that have played this, I think. Did you guys, had you guys heard of anybody who played it or uh, a few people tested it out so far? What was the... What's been the, the the verdict so far? Yeah, out of the, I think it's like six or seven people I've seen talk about it on, on a variety of forums. And they all, they really enjoyed it. They said that the attackers have a huge advantage. So that it's a, because of the, the points value, the extra monster, that it, it was seemed to be extremely difficult for the defender to have a chance to win. Um, they, they, you know, some of the people were, started to kind of talk about, well, you know, what could we do differently? Maybe matching the points uh, because the attacker gets the extra monster and some other stuff and, and they get more models on the board at the start. So, but yeah, I think it's definitely something we'd have to try and then, and then see. Yeah. Uh, any, without playing the game, do you have any things that you would tweak or, uh, or does that feel like too much at this point until we've actually played it? Um. Only aesthetically, I would, uh, it says like you're only supposed to put up the wall and nothing else. I think I would put up a few other things like in the kind of the kill zone area, a couple trees or a couple of ruined buildings. I think that would help with the aesthetic of the, the, of the, the visual of the game. I guess the other thing I really like, I think it's got a strong visual to it. Um, and it, it, another thing I like is that uh, because it's Karngrad, you can you can either you can use a dread hold if you got it. You can also just use like a bunch of ramshackle ruins because like that's it's a pretty crappy city and so it's gonna have a pretty <laughs> crappy wall. And so a combination of like different whatever terrain you have up in the line yeah. can be like a sensical and a, like narratively appropriate wall of Karngrad. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't necessarily need to be like a castle wall. It could just be an area that has the most walls up, and of course that'd be a great place to like. Uh, crash and have as your HQ. So, you know, if you have it, other people are going to want to take it. So maybe it's just a modest uh, kind of fortification like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it'd be interesting to find out, like, if the defenders have more range attacks, does that change the balance or how effective they are? Um, mm-hmm. I think, uh, I, to me, it feels like there's there should be, like, booby traps and, like, dangerous things on the way to the wall. Uh, to thin out the herd or to, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. So those are a couple of things that I wonder about in order to change the dynamic. Like, cause otherwise yeah. Mike just not playing, not having played it, it feels like 
it's what do you do? Is it like a non-game until everybody's on that wall? And then everyone's just fighting to try and uh, keep everybody away. Um, so I don't, I don't know what the dynamics are, or like stages of it, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But. Yeah. One thing that's interesting is the, for the terrain setup, it does, it does suggest that no more than half of the terrain on the wall be greater than three inches. So they want, they want some of the walls to be you know, scaled by their models. So they have to make some of those ruined <laughs> Yeah, Walls I'm looking at my dread hold over here, and I'm just like, well, I'm house ruling that one away. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like the, the the precipice or the crenulations of the dread hold need to be like the, the chaos um, scatter terrain, where if you go over it, you have to roll for damage. Oh, uh, definitely. It's definitely, it's definitely <laughs> a, a difficult terrain or dangerous terrain to Dangerous yeah. terrain, yeah. <laughs> Unless you have the a ladder, and we're writing special rules for ladders. <laughs> no. No, we could always make some siege towers. Or or, or or Cogfort. Mm-hmm. Cogfort. Well, there you go. Cogfort. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so how many what, podcasts what's... since we mentioned Cogfort? <laughs> <laughs> uh what is nice though is that it has a light uh framework and it would be easy to test out a couple of things and see if it gets how much it can support, how much it can scale up to some different things. So Yeah, uh, definitely. We'll certainly be trying some things out. I'm sure of it, especially now that we have a completed dread hole for the most <laughs> and an extra wall section. <laughs> but um, what, yeah. what, what what color is your wall section? <laughs> uh, I also have some stairs. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> awesome, awesome. All right, now uh, for the one of the the big. Um, additions to uh, our game uh, to Warcry with the 2021 Battle Tome is the branching quests. And I feel like, just to give us an overview, uh, given the recent success of uh, In the Shadows of Malice, uh, Josh, you should tell us a little bit about what the branching quests are. Yeah, definitely. So the, the branching quests were a really cool addition uh, the you know, choose your own adventure path. They, they follow the same narrative campaign structure that all the other quests do. It's just that when you have your convergence, once you've completed that convergence, you have several choices, you know, in which path you want to take on your quest rather than, you know, having a linear path. So for all of these, they, after your first convergence, you have three choices. And then each of those paths will take you to two more choices. And then that leads to the end of your particular quest. So they all lead to a unique artifact um, at the end of that particular path. And then, of course, you get your your standard command trait and artifact of power along the way, just like you do for the normal narrative campaigns. Awesome. Uh, and, uh, you know, you, like I said, you successfully... Now, my question had... I mean, this came out before Adepticon, but not that long before Adepticon. Had you already been kind of looking at branching quests, or did this inspire you? This inspired us. So I'm trying to remember when the first, I think we got some branching quests in. Was it Red Harvest? Yes, I think it was in Red Harvest. And so that's what uh, I had started using as a template. Yep. Very cool. Very cool. Um, So Pavend, what was your favorite branching quest? I liked, oh boy, the chaos one, which is called the balance of power. And this one's cool because you get to choose you. It starts 
where you're like, you know, you're a chaos guy, you're fighting in the waste, and suddenly you hear uh, you hear, hear somebody come up, and uh, what is it? I'm coming up. You see the crimson sky colored by impenetrable shadow. You have an envoy of somebody, of a new power rising in the eight points called the Dark Master. Uh, And your choice is you have three choices. You could swear fealty to this shadow. You could feign obedience and play it close to the chest and see how how it's going to go for you. Or you could reject the offer because you only serve the ever-chosen. Uh, so it's like immediately it has you make it like a very strong narrative choice about like who your war band is and what they do. Um, and it also plays into larger narrative because this is, I mean, this is obviously Bellicor. Um, so it's like, <laughs> do you want to like throw in your lot with Bellicor or do you like Archeon or do you like to keep it in the middle? And then mm-hmm. you get, you get to make choices based on that and consequences based on those choices. And it's got some really dope artifacts at the end. I'm not going to spoil anything. Actually, I'm going to spoil the art, some of the artifacts. I won't tell you how you get them, though. The, the first one is called the Strangler's Fist. And I'll read the description. It says, this wicked gauntlet can project spiked chains of black metal that close around the throat of your foe, trapping them fast. So it's like a, it's a chain-shooting gauntlet uh, that strangles <laughs> uh, folks. And it's, Chain um, Yeah, and you use it as an action. <laughs> And then you pick a visible enemy fighter within three and you just do die six damage points and they can't disengage. So it's got a like a tactical use in that oh. a, they, they won't be able to escape. Maybe you're trying to chase them down for one reason and another tactical use of killing them. Um, <laughs> and then the other cool one I really like. Either is, make, them, make them not be able to move or make them not be able to move. <laughs> make them not be able to live. Um, <laughs> And then the other cool one, which is really gross, is uh, like a little bit of this, like your skin glistens and rise with a lurid color as uh, as if a slick of oil runs beneath the skin. And, and while behind your eyes, you can feel something crawling and moving of its own accord. Um, and this is a good thing that happened to you because you've been blessed <laughs> by chaos. Uh, and you have lashing tendrils. And when wounded in battle, barbed cords of sinew burst forth from your flesh, lashing and tearing at the flow in a hideous frenzy. Um, so, like, when you get attacked and cut, a bunch of tentacles shoot out and attack, which is disgusting. Um, yeah. But it's after each attack that targets the bearer, made by an enemy fighter within two inches of the bearer, roll dice. On a two-up, allocate die six damage points to that fighter. Uh, so that's also very cool. And I think we've seen a lot in this book, at least in other rules I've written, a lot of things that are happening out of sequence. Mm-hmm. Often, usually it's just like you make an action and then you resolve the action and then you take turns doing that with activations. But I'm seeing a lot of things that are kind of, they don't really have rules specifically. They just like interrupt the action to do an event and then like it resumes. So this is like after enemy attack action, this thing happens. Um, so that could be a design space they're exploring in the future. Yeah, so that's it. Cool. That's, that's the, that's the quest. I like the best. How about you, Josh? Anything I was going to say, um, you know, which pick the, um, 
the artifacts that say the most about you personally. Uh, but <laughs> I didn't say that, so we're not going to read too much into that. <laughs> the lashing tendrils is powerful. D6 damage every time you get hit. Wow. Yeah, all you just need to do is feel like you have worms under your skin at all times. Yeah, yeah, right. How about you, Josh? What did you like? So the, I think they're all pretty cool, but uh, to highlight the death branching quests, um, it, it's kind of fun. Again, you kind of see the narrative advancing where the Asiak Bone Reapers are, are in the eight points and you've been tasked to go set up an outpost, you know, set up, you know, all, all these death factions have been sent out to establish footholds further in the eight points. So you, you're kind of sent to three different places. You can go to Lost Valorum, which we've heard a lot about in the other books. Corpse Worm Marches or the Blood Lake. And, um, you know, so they're all kind of cool paths. We're in Lost Valorum. You're kind of tasked to maybe use that necromantic energy to, re- you know, uh, recruit Night Haunt or other spirits to your cause. Uh, the Corpse Worm Marches, you can use it to, to raise the dead or to, to use the dead as materials. And then in the Blood Lake, you've got a few options because it's apparently is where a lot of beasts will fight each other and die. Um, by the blood lake so you can you can collect bones you know to help you know build structures or or use the blood of the lake itself for your nefarious purposes so all very uh, fun thematic uh, branches i think and uh, again nice. going around to using the resources there to establish a foothold further in the eight points yeah yeah very cool um i was uh keen normally i'd be keen on like on the the death stuff but uh, when I started, when, when they allowed order into, um, war cry, the storm cast had this thing where they were like the Vanguard were coming in to hunt down storm vaults, uh, you know, to go and find them and rescue the treasures that maybe Archeon hadn't figured out were still here. So I liked that, like go and seek out these specific things to get them and, and bring them back. Um, this, uh, the order branching quest, uh, is a bit more of kind of, it's called treasures of the past. And it, so it's a little bit like, uh, treasure hunting or archeology, span but you're going into like places where everything wants to kill you. Um, and, uh, it can, it gives you three different paths. Uh, one is to seek out, uh, information and, and treasures in a canine temple. So if you want to go down the dark elf, uh, you know, witch elf path, you can do that. Uh, you can investigate an arcane library. So if books are your thing, if being studious is your thing, uh, you can go that way. Or to descend into an ancient Dwarden city. Uh, so what I liked was, again, kind of the treasure hunter archaeology angle here. But then also, like, the paths feel very distinct. Like, what would my, you know, I don't know that <coughs> my Chaos Warband would want to go this way. Um, but, you know, like, if I was... Um, uh, you know, so I've got I've got my ogres that are sort of uh, privateers and opportunists. So I'm like, what would they go and do? And I would, I'm not sure yet, but it, it feels like you, it it paints a really specific picture depending on which way you go, which I like. I mean, the the, the branching quests, um, you could play it over again and go a different direction and get a totally different experience, and that seems really cool. Yeah, definitely. All right. Um, and then I guess last, I mean, we were not going to talk about it though. We're not going to talk about, uh, uh, destruction because mm-hmm. there's only three of us. <laughs> so nobody could pick that as a favorite. 
Uh, <laughs> you'll have to buy the book to find that one out. Then we, uh, anything else about uh, the branching quest that we like as a new addition or a, a continued addition to Warcry? I mean, it seems like, a, is it a better questing system than the original quests um, and such? Is it than faded quests, etc.? Um, is this the way we should see it going in the future? Uh, well, I think one unique difference, you know, so from a basic quest, you get an artifact. Um, and so, and then the branching quests give you an artifact, but you get more narrative paths to explore. But the faded quests give you, they can give you an artifact, but they're also the only way to get an exalted command trait. So you might still choose to do a faded quest if you wish to get an exalted command trait. Yeah. Now, each of the branching quests came with an artifact uh, table to roll on and a command trait table to roll on. I didn't quite see how that fit in. Did you guys, were you yeah, able so to find out where you were able to pick the artifact or the command trait? Yeah, so just the, like the basic um, Warcry narrative campaign uh, chart, you know, that you kind of fill in the bubbles as you're going along. Mm-hmm. Um, after your, your your third game is your first convergence, your fourth game, you automatically get an artifact of power. Then okay. it's the seventh game, you get the second convergence. Your eighth game, you get the command trait. So that's where Got you would pick those up. Cool. So it's using the same campaign rules. Um, it's just using these, as, it's just interjecting these convergences. Um, very cool. Very cool. All right. That answers all my questions. I'm rusty. It's okay. I make jokes. That's perfect. That's perfect. All right. After branching quests, then, we've got uh, some additional faded quests. Um, Anything new here? Anything we liked or didn't like? Uh, There's one for each Grand Alliance, which I thought was kind of fun. Uh, Something they continue down from the the Grand Alliance books themselves. Um, They do mention right up front that two of the quests, we use a mix of catacombs and core rulebook uh, terrain layouts. And the other two just use the terrain layouts from the core book. So it's nice that they kind of pointed that out ahead of time. So you're like, oh, I only have this set. Maybe I'll just do this this quest rather than this one or something. Yeah, I like that, that weaving them in and doing some different things. Um, mm-hmm. Being able to go above ground, below ground, all over the place. I mean, that was on last episode. I really liked that there's some distinct locations. Um, playing a little Necromunda, they had that a little bit, right, with Zone Mortalis versus... Um, you know, more height terrain and stuff. And so this sort of does similar things, yep. um, but it really makes for distinct. Uh, it allows the, the the board and the environment match the narrative better where there's just more options for it. So that's yeah. really cool. Uh, any favorites here? Uh, I mean, I liked, uh, there's one called The Waking Idol. Uh, and I didn't read it too far because I don't, I don't love reading through all of them and getting all the answers. But by the name of it, it seems like as you play, at the end of it, there's going to be uh, like a Gorka Morka statue, which was an old Forge World model, uh, mm-hmm. idol of Gork, um, that comes to life and you might have to fight it. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, yeah that's that pretty fun. Pretty cool. uh, anything else? Any spoilers you want to give people? Paven, did you have one that you liked? Um, not particular. I kind of like this death one because you're following, um, uh, you're trying to chase down uh, a bunch of a cabal of necromancers called the Kindred Pact that have mm-hmm. betrayed death and, and twitched teams to chaos. 
And I feel like that's a concept that isn't represented enough in Warhammer is like guys switching sides. Usually people just like fall to chaos. Uh, but like people going from necromancers to chaos lords, uh, I think is like cool. And I wish they did more of. And I also wish they gave you more options as a death player to reject Nagash. Mm-hmm. Um, death is yeah. a little too unified in a way that I think is like, it takes away a little bit of player agency. Um, so I hope they explore that more where you can be like, you know, I think I'm going to do my own thing um, and not be just like whatever Nagash says. And so I think you get a little bit of that in that quest, but not, not as much as like, I don't know, the old tomb Kings gave you another, <laughs> another faction. Yeah. Right. You were, right. you were just talking about how like you could like in, in chaos, you could choose uh, any of the four chaos gods and some of them hate each other. You've got uh, uh, Archeon and you got Bellicor, which are, you know, competing for being the, the, the grand marshal of the apocalypse. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's, there's a nice little chaos onion. You peel back the layers, there's depth, etc. Depth, a little, little fewer layers. Um, uh, so yeah, I, I kind of like that there's the, uh, shopping around for retirement plans, right? <laughs> right. Uh, to equate it to real life. Like, I, <laughs> like, yeah, I, mean, I don't, I don't <laughs> understand. <laughs> Is that like, like death, you're always, you're all, you're all going the same place is what you're saying. <laughs> well, yeah. So there's, yeah. If death, you're just you're gonna be Nagashes at some point, right? And yeah. he'll treat you however he wants. With chaos, yeah, would, you get you get wooed a little. Yeah, I wish there was more, and this may be more of a Age of Sigmar wish list. I wish there was more open rebellion. I wish I wish there was, I guess, one open rebellion against Nagash. There's yeah. some like cold rebellions, like the vampires are always kind of rebellious, but they they all fall in line eventually. Yeah, uh, but I want, more, I want like, like there to be like a, spoil, a spoiler mm-hmm. death faction. Um, yeah, but yeah, well. someday but there is a that Underworld's warband coming out where he escaped to the Nether Maze to do his own experimentations. Oh, the uh, right. the electric ghouls, right? Right. We'll we'll, we'll have to find out more. Mm-hmm. these. All right, so that's the faded quest. We get some more of them. That's cool. Now, let's talk about something that's brand new with uh, Toma Champions 2021, which I have to say the name every time it's a brand, a brand new thing we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, narrative campaigns. How, Paven, how would you describe narrative campaigns? So none of these are new. <laughs> Son of a gun. Cut that one out. of them. Cut. One of them. Cut it out. Uh, well, one of these is new. But all of these other, so I don't know if we want to start again, but all of these we, um, we've we covered before, oh, yeah, no, lightly at least, uh, <laughs> no, on the show. Fine. They came out in various um, Warhammer community articles over the last year wow. as like fun tie-ins. Most of them tie-ins to the, uh, tie-in to the events of Broken Realms. Okay. Um, so like while those books were coming out, you could also play them at your own pace in, uh, in Warcry, which was super dope. Mm-hmm. That makes sense because uh, my favorite was uh, the Purge of Anvilgard uh, because I just finished listening back to um, episode I think fifty nine of the Mortal Realms, something like that. Um, and uh, Pavend and uh, Aaron and uh, Paul uh, reviewed uh, Broken Realms Techless. And uh, there's a battle between 
uh, Archon the Black and uh, Eltherion. And this particular um, Purge of Anvil Guard gives you an Forlorn opportunity. Hope, actually. Oh, sorry. Forlorn Hope is what I was thinking about. Uh, yep, sorry. Uh, Forlorn Hope gives you that uh, kind of play-by-play and lets you pit Archon the Black in your Warcry game. So just like we were talking about before, right? Some big baddies. Um, so that mm-hmm. seemed like a really cool, you know, I know in the past there's been lots of like, hey, yeah, you can play Age of Sigmar and recreate this battle. I mean, Warcry seems like a really fun place to, to do that. So it's cool that they put those out. And now, for the first time, they're together in one book. Exactly. How about that? How about that? Did I save it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're correct, Eric. You nailed it again. There <laughs> you go. Any, any of these other ones that you guys want to talk about? Well, I think the uh, the Rat Hunters is the newest one. Uh, we did not have that one before. Um, I think it's fun. Uh, most of these, uh, you know, are typically between two players. Um, the Fool's Trove and Olkenkarn is a four-player game. All tend to have three to four battles. Um, and uh, But the Rat Hunters you can do as a solo or a co-op, so you're not actually competing with the other player. And it actually takes place in Excelsis, which I thought was fun because it's a... Uh, you know, they're chasing down the rest of those Skaven after they've invaded during the Broken Realms before um, Gordrak and um, Kragnos have, have hit the city. So it's kind of an in, in snapshot between the, the Broken Realms books in itself. But uh, yeah, it, it looked like a, it'd be a lot of fun to try. And I've got lots of older Skaven models. Definitely be worth t- doing sometime. Absolutely. No, that does seem like fun, especially with like uh, Vermintide's a video game you can play on Steam, I think. Right, right. Uh, so just waves after waves of Skaven and rats and stuff. Paven, was there one that you uh, liked and haven't had a chance to play that you hope you can play sometime? Oh, I've had a uh, the intention of running the Fool's Trove and Ulfenkarn for a while because mm-hmm. that combines mm-hmm. two of my favorite uh sets uh war, or just Warcry generally and cursed city with which i have yeah. a pin set of and so that sounds like a really fun day of gaming yeah wow just rub it in man <laughs> uh no that's <laughs> it is i i hadn't seen that it has those models there's some great models in that set so uh hey if you want to play sign me up i'll play with you um all I'd right love to visit the cursed city yeah, it would be it would be really cool if we could time a, a Warcry event with like whenever because they're going to do some Curse City new stuff, mm-hmm. and so when like that hype was hyping up again, if we could have like a sweet Warcry event for people that want to play in that world or that city, um, yeah, it'd be, like yeah. happen for them. That could be cool, and that could be something where we can uh, get everybody in our Discord playing, so that we could all kind of come back with some other people's. Uh, insights and thoughts on it uh which by the way if you want to join our discord and chat with us about war crying come to the mortal realms.com forward slash discord and we have tons of fun there so you're missing out all right uh narrative campaigns old news if you didn't know uh, <laughs> bound together in one book now uh, yes. easy, easy to pull out um exactly uh trapped in a google search previously um, but now they are yours now let's check a little bit about, uh, we've only had a couple more things to chat about in the book, matched play. Um, the only thing I saw interesting here, we thought like, okay, another section that I some mostly skip because I'm not necessarily looking to run a match play event, uh, which it seems like it's more geared around 
but they have a tournament called Felneroth, uh, or Felneroth, uh, which they claim to be matched with uh, narrative tones to it, uh, which I thought was was interesting. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you guys get a chance to look at that and, and pour over that a little bit? Yeah, no, definitely. I, I looked over it quite a bit while I was trying to design uh, the event uh, missions and things to kind of uh, see how you would do a three mission event. Um, uh, so it was, it was nice guidance in that sense. Um, yeah. The narrative kind of comes from the, the ongoing story where it's a city that's appeared once every 200 years and you have one day before it's gone. And so each mission takes place, uh, you know, one's at dusk, then it's at night, then dawn. And so you're playing throughout that 24 hour period, essentially. That's cool. um, one of the interesting things I thought about it is that you can actually bring in your warband uh, from your narrative campaign. So it can already have lesser artifacts and glory. Uh, you, you gain destiny, you gain glory, you roll for lesser artifacts after each game. And um, and I thought what was really cool is that no matter how well you did in this tournament, you would walk away with a special artifact at the end. Wow, that's cool. Um, and what's also cool is that it's six pages and you could easily you know, photocopy this and run an event pretty simply, like, um, or, you know, not all, you don't have to copy all of it, but like it has, shows you how to organize it, um, what to communicate. It gives you the, you know, quick little blurbs of here's the, for the round one, use this terrain, this deployment, this victory and this twist. Um, and at the very least, like you said, it's a little bit of a template because uh, we did similar with plunging spires is we just like said, okay, this table is going to have, you know, of these four things, let's assign what they're going to be and keep it quick, keep it, keep it light, keep it moving. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's and hidden, hidden agendas are, is that uh, an aspect that's only been introduced in match in the match play section? Yeah. It's the match play or the multiplayer, like the coalition of death and stuff. They often have okay. hidden agendas there too, is, is bonus that's ways right. to get glory. Right. Yeah. So that, that seems like it could be a, um, a mechanic to get to move more into narrative. I know you did some, did you do hidden agendas at Deducticon or was that Paul did yep. some hidden agendas? Yeah, we did do hidden agendas as part of the narrative. Uh, yeah. Cause yeah. Cause if the, the main victory condition isn't quite up your alley, then you got another thing to, to work on. Right. Uh, which is always satisfying. Um, awesome. All right. Anything else you want to talk about on match play? Any other insights, thoughts? Uh, the missions are interesting. You know, I think uh, people have been, you know, there were two tournaments at Adepticon and they were using those those particular scenarios. I think there's one that they're planning to tweak a little bit, but overall the the, the particular victory conditions and stuff are, are interesting. Cool. Yep, I recognize any of them. Yeah, you'll notice that I believe... Um, yeah, on Realmstone Hunt, they, they, it was like, I think an older, uh, mission, but they've increased the, the battle, uh, the length of the game from three to four rounds. Oh, they did that for two of them. Um, kind of another data point that shows that they're four rounds is the right amount of rounds of Warcry. Yep. (laughs) Five is too many and three is not enough. Yep. We did, I think, uh, I, think I, I vibe with that a lot. I think that's right. I think three, you can just like have fighters that don't get to play. And, you know, in a five round game usually takes about 50 minutes. 
Yeah. Uh, we played three rounds tonight on our higher ground and one more round. And uh, I totally would have had a halfling up on the, up on the bridge and scoring points, but no, no, we played three. It's all good. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not mad. All right. Um, then uh, we get to the uh, appendix. Uh, and this is basically um, all of the boxes that have come out specifically for uh, Warcry, like the Lumineth, Soulblight Gravelords, uh, uh, some of their, their new models, kind of those that have come out since the Grand Alliance stuff has come out. They've put them in here. Is that correct? Is that an accurate yep. assessment? Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. They, they released all the rules um, as part of the narrative campaigns earlier on, well, you know, as those models were being released or as those battle tones were being released. So again, you know, nice, like they've nicely compacted those narrative campaigns in this book. They also included all the cards for those particular uh, our army sets, yeah. which is great. So. Ooh, that Varg skier. Yes. Mm, tasty. Very cool. Yep. So if you wanted to play like, yeah, the, the treasure and, and open yard or open Karn. Wolfen Karn, then you've got the the um, stat blocks to do that. Cool, cool, cool. All right, now um, Bladeborn fights. What is this all about? Bladeborn fighters. Who wants to Who wants to jump in on this one? I want to jump in. We got Thanks, rules for Batman. all the war, underworld war bands. Every single fighter, yeah. we got rules for them finally. I, I people have been asking about this for a while, and I didn't think they would ever do it. But they're really those, those crazy guys. They did it. Uh, I feel like I feel like we were since since because um, Underworlds came out before Warcry, right? Correct. And I think I mean we had I think since Toma Champions won, we were like, could they? Would they? Um, mm-hmm. And so I, I mean, I'd been hoping for it. So yeah, I might not have had any clue it. that they would or wouldn't, but I was hoping. And by golly, this feels like Christmas. Yeah, and I was—I had been using Underworld's fighters for a long time, like nope. just as as the really great sculpts that you can switch in for kind of generic uh, other fighters. So they've always been in my games, but it's cool they have special rules because it's a lot of fun stuff. And then there was stuff there was never rules for, is like you know, Ripper Snarl Fangs were never. There's never goblin on wolf rules until today. Yeah, that you can play a crab. It's true. Claw. Crab, crab <laughs> or a spinefin. That's going to be amazing. Um, any highlights? Anything that you're you're loving? Anything that you're like, ooh, I got to get that in my warband, Josh. I'm trying to remember if there's any. I mean, you know, I, we talked about it several times. It's just having additional variety that they could introduce more models to Warcry through Underworlds. So I was super excited to see that they finally did that. And I know in our event and in the tournament events, people were using the Bladeborn models in an assortment of ways. So it was that was kind of really cool to see. A lot of people feel like they do kind of shore up some of their Warband weaknesses or they give them some interesting combinations or give them additional movement or range where they didn't have it before. So I think I've seen a lot of buzz about it where people are super excited to try them out and incorporate them and optimizing them in some cases. So in terms of which ones I'd like to try, um, you know, I have a, a Slaves of Darkness warband I put together last summer. And so there's really, you know, there's two 
really cool Slaves to Darkness uh, options that would be kind of fun to try to incorporate those. So I, I kind of listed some of them down as um, options in terms of like one of the, the Slaves of Darkness. But um, yeah, yeah, they are. The Kagra's Ravagers were... I think it's unique that this Underworld's Warband in particular, Kagra and Zorshia are both their sisters, but you know, one's taken over the control of the Warband. So there's this interesting dynamic between them. But um, Zorshia, Bitter Soul, has a triple, just, just like the Cypher Lords, where you can teleport one of the Kagra's Ravagers, you know, within 12 inches to somewhere else. So definitely be mm. a fun mechanic to include some of those along with the Cypher Lords and have models porting all over the place if you have enough triples. So. <laughs> Absolutely. Awesome. How about you, Payment? Um, so I like this the most uh, if you are using the house rule for archetype yes. fighters. And what the the house this, so rules is written. You're they're kind of like unique characters in that they have names and you can only have one of them, and they can't get you know command traits. I don't remember if they can get artifacts. Maybe they get less than artifacts. I forget. They cannot. Um, no, they can't. They can't get any of it because they're nope. you know they're they're specific people in the mortal realms. But if you're using the house rule archetypes, it means you can use any of the rules for Bladeborn fighters as generic models to add to your warband. So if you just mm -hmm. want, if you if you and your opponent are cool with it, or your uh, campaign or tournament organizer, you can just use these fighters as examples of like a different weapon armament that you can include in your warband for more variety. Like, I really like the idea of having rules for an Achillean on foot for my Eidneth Deepkin warband. And you can use Fuiran, uh, the Achillean on foot, from the Eidneth Deepkin warband to represent that. And you have rules for them and you have a model for that. And I think mm -hmm. that's dope. I also like the um, the Namardi with the harpoon, uh, Tamel. Uh, also from uh, the Iden and Deepkin Warband. Uh, I think that's a cool variety. I really like the Namardi uh, models uh, for Iden and Deepkin, and having another loadout you can take is really cool, especially because this one's got the fun uh, harpoon an enemy and then drag them uh, either closer or into a pit. Uh, it's right, a really fun right. uh, move to have access to. Yeah, it's like having veteran models, you know, which is which is kind of cool, you know, narratively. You could say, oh, yeah, this model's been in my warband a long time. You know, they're a veteran. They've got, you know, four extra hit points. You know, it costs a little bit more, but represents, you know, their longevity or something like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a lot of these um, warriors and these warbands are like slight steps up from their more generic counterpart uh, mm -hmm. that exists in the general pool of, of characters you can uh, in, uh include in your warband. I also like the option of, I like, I really like uh, Ilthari's Guardians, the Sylvaneth warband full of tree revenants. I think they, those yeah. guys have some great sculpts and being able to include a tree revenant with a bow is dope and gives mm. off some really great wood elf vibes. And my last one um, is uh, the rules for Snurk's Nowertongue, the fanatic from Zarbag's Gits. Uh, one, because it's rules for a fanatic and that's dope. And yeah. I think this guy is bonkers. He's got a range three attack, four. Uh, so range three, four attacks, strength four, three, six damage profile. Oh, that's really strong. Um, <laughs> only toughness three, 10 wounds, but 130 points is pretty good. Like keep like as long as he doesn't get shot, which is what you're supposed to do with fanatics anyway. Oh, that guy's putting out the pain. 
Right. <laughs> so I think that that's my that's my last one. But yes. uh, yeah, nice. I, uh, uh, honorable mentions for me as well. Molog the Mighty. Yeah. Uh, he's only got two attacks, but five ten damage profiles. Pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, the only way you can get a Trogoth as a in, instead of a thrall, you can have it in your warband as a leader or a hero in this case. Yeah, so yeah. The, that's kind of cool. Yeah, that's you awesome. can just have Molag be the leader of your warband. Yeah, I also nice. like Scathe. Uh, you know the from the Scathe Wild Hunt. I, I know a lot of people were using him in the tournament scene too. Not because he's like overpowered or anything, but because he's one of the few Sylvaneth type models that's got high movement of eight and a ranged attack. So people were using him to kind of dance around and pick off models and things like that. So yeah, it's definitely, I think it added a lot of unique um, tactical uh, interest for some of the Sylvaneth warbands people were playing. Yeah. I've been, uh, so I've been using Flesh Hounds as my uh, Rock Tusk Prowlers in my warband, my. Uh, mm-hmm untamed beasts uh there's now a named one rip tooth which i think yeah. i should probably check out i need to check out the comparison because he seems maybe a little a little cheaper or it has a few more wounds and maybe is equally as tough but could certainly check that out also though from the skates wild hunt although i don't think you could do it like lahane would be another rock tusk prowler type model but like a uh, a less horned one i guess um with uh, the the ogres, um, uh, let's see. There's the the ogre hunter. Where is he at? Hrogthorn or Hrothgorn man trapper. Um, I mean those and those you know Lugget and Thwack, Bushwhacker and Quib. Like those are some amazing uh, uh, Noblar models. Um, <laughs> I wish all yeah. the Noblars were those models. Uh, but uh, so I mean, like a the man trapper. He's got a nine inch <coughs> two attack strength six uh four eight uh and he's got 40 wounds um so that's he seems pretty tough and what's his movement four movements not great but then there's another with the saber tusk obviously there's another fast moving you know potentially mm-hmm. heavy hitting um, yeah beast on the table and with uh with uh throndia that beast hits a little bit harder these days right right um and then i i I like that there's some um, OCR Bone Reapers with some personality in here. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 uh, I, was just looking, and stuff. I was just looking at the Soul Blight Gravelord uh, Underworld. Yeah, the Crimson Court just have some really awesome models, and it's nice that yeah. they actually have stats and things you can use them in your games too. So. Yeah, here's some strong vampires to characters to bring in. <laughs> That's right. awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, so seems like there's a, I mean, it just opens up the possibilities. Uh, I like the idea of the house rule that if it's a named, you know, there's, uh, then you can only have one. Like, uh, uh, there's a couple in there where like, Hey, you can take up to two of these in, in your warband cause they're more generic. <coughs> but I, I mean, I have a Prince Vordry, uh, model, uh, or I have a count as Prince Vordry to, because mm-hmm. I want, you know, my vampire on, on, um, zombie dragon to be just as cool as the named model uh so i get it i get it yeah yeah no that was definitely i think uh a nice option to have so as as we start you know running leagues again we'll have to figure out okay you know do we want to you know open it up or of course we'll open up to heroes and allies as we go along and do we want to have that counts as or open option i think it would be fun could be fun 
All right. Uh, so that takes us through uh, the whole book of uh, Warcry 2021. Some brand new stuff, some additions, some things that we've already seen before, but they're together in one place. Um, and uh, uh, overall, how are you guys feeling about it? Uh, I, we could do that after we take uh, go through listener questions or, or no, we can do it, do now it now before we. Yeah, let's do it now. How did uh, how did twenty twenty one stack up to twenty 2020 twenty or twenty nineteen, Josh? Um, you know, I, I was you know we had we'd hoped it would come. I'm glad it finally came, even though it was late. Uh, I think it offers a lot of really good information. Has, you know, just more branching quests. Um, you know, the points changes. I think we're good to have that the kind of overall balance, uh, just to you know put things on a different level. But uh, the the biggest thing for me was getting the Bladeborn fighters added because I think it it increased the amount of variety that you can have in your warbands immensely, and I, I think people really uh, gravitated towards that. So I, I think it's an excellent book, and it's, it's when people are asking which books they should get, it's definitely one I say you should definitely get this. You know, not only because of the points because you can, you can you can use Varen Scribe and it has the updated points for all the warbands, but it's got so much great content in that one book that they should definitely pick it up. How about you, Pavent? How did 2021 stack up to the previous two Tomo Champions? Is it a must-have? Is it a sleep on it? What do you think? Uh, this is very good. S- still the um, it's, got a, it's got a ton of content in it. Um, I, it's got a little bit for everybody. I don't think it's a must-buy. Like, get the, get the core book first, then get your Grand Alliance book. Then get this book. Yep, yep. Um, yeah, for me, I, I mean, I feel like um, the first Tome of Champions still has a ton of stuff, ton of value to play out of. Um, I mean, the 2020, I haven't obviously haven't looked at that one, so I'm eager to go back and play some of those and get some monsters under my belt and tame some beasts and that sort of thing. I don't think this one brought, now that you're telling me that some of the stuff already appeared, it's not maybe bringing as much new stuff um, to the scene as the previous two Tomo champions. Um, but it also feels like it kind of hit a necessary spot, especially with the Bladeborn uh, and with the updated uh, points. Um, and then, you know, pulling some things together so that they're all in one place. Uh, it definitely feels like a, a completion of the, um, of the series. So mm-hmm. that's great. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah, 2020 the is the, uh, is the other one I recommend people get. Not a need to have, but because it does have the trial of champions, updated rules, that it's you know extremely helpful for a more in-depth experience playing Warcry. And it's got a sort yeah. of core campaign and, of course, the Wild Fighter rules. So that's Wait, another I, one I highly recommend. This book does have trial of champions in it? Yeah. Yeah, the 2020 has the updated oh. trial, trial of champions rules in it. From 2019 Oof. has the original. 2020 has some introduced uh, if you roll doubles you can get some unique artifacts and it also introduces the ter- specific unique territories when you dominate a territory and um yeah so it introduces some special stuff that 2019 didn't have interesting i love trial of champions yeah, yeah, yeah i exactly. might recommend getting 2020 before 2021 so you get trial champion rules yep yeah yeah, and yeah as long as you gotta think about the this points. i gotta i gotta let this hot take <laughs> I'll, I'll hit you guys with it on the Twitter. <laughs> Just kidding, I would never do that. But all right, why don't we move to some listener questions, Josh? What did people ask? 
Well, uh, we have a lot of great people who will jump on there and provide questions for us, which is awesome. Um, I did go through and remove questions that they had that I think we've already addressed as we've gone through the the episode. So um, our pared down list, PM Zig Price. First question is, what are your favorite Bladeborne groups? And I think we touched on that, um, but I just wanted to leave that there in case you guys had any other war bands that you thought were really cool. I think Molog is gonna be, is like the weirdest because like he has like special rules for all of his weird uh, fighters, quote unquote fighters he travels around with. Yeah, uh, like the squid so think, bat. Yeah, so I think he could be like the most like oh this is like something different. Um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'll, there's so many cool underworld war bands. Yeah. Is it weird that he didn't get his stalactite or stalagmite to come along with him? <laughs> no, he does. It's like he like summons it, like mm-hmm. on a dull summon ability. Summon Summon spite shroom. Okay, there we go. There Old you go. Jabber toad. There you go. Yeah, yeah. He, I think um, the yeah, slangor yeah. in the Slaneshi warband, uh, I thought was a uh, you know the first time we'd seen him in a long time. That was kind of a cool addition. But now you can take one. Yeah, I'm gonna say the you know the uh, of the ones I related to being my warband uh, when I picked up my favorites, but I feel like the um, you know the vampire uh, mm-hmm. uh, quartet uh, is a pretty huge and and kind of boating uh, warband to bring into the to Warcry. Definitely. And um, the second question is: Which do you think are the most useful, both to their host warband and to others in their grand alliance? I know we haven't really played with them yet, so it's kind of hard to judge yeah. that. Um, I think, you know, in terms of, you know, I mentioned Scathe. I definitely i have heard and seen people using Scathe in their Sylvaneth Warbands as an immensely helpful uh, model. Yeah, so. that sounds hot. Anything that can add some movement. I'm also looking at, you know, like, you know, does it add, like, a low-cost, um, you know, model so that you can just eke out a few more points in your mm-hmm. warband's probably good. So there's a um, there's a lizard man Zepic. He's only sixty five points, which seems like it could. Now I don't know what the the standard um, skink is, so I don't know if that's mm-hmm. actually helping. Um, but yeah, but then, a lot yeah, of the basic I mean, models have range a is another extra good one. Yeah, can add a few more wounds with some of those models as a slight upgrade. Is always a you know can be helpful to keep them alive a little bit longer. Yeah, I think you could get like a slightly better leader if you're like at le- being led by the Underworld Warband leader than like the their counterpart. Although I haven't done the apples to apples comparison, but I think like usually I got like another point of strength or another attack that's like kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Excellent, guys. What if what if the Heart Eaters or, or the Untamed Beasts are really just one of the vampires? Maybe it's not corn. That's a different kind of cool. Yeah, you, you gotta you gotta paint up another warband. <laughs> it's right, like those right. necromancers that went to chaos. You know, how would you do? Did you use your necromancer rules, or did you use the chaos rules? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right. All right. So our next set of questions from Wiz Warrior: What do you feel could have been done better in Tome of Champions 2021, and what holes do you feel remain unfilled, if any? 
Eric, what do you think? I mean, I feel like we just touched on a little bit. If Trial of Champions was updated in here, so you could have, you know, that in this book, um, that seems like a one that would. I mean, here now you got to go back and get the other books, which is fine. Like, but you know, and and it's not about like just pulling in the same old, same old. Uh, so I get it. I guess I would say maybe few more. I think even just looking at the siege rules, even though they're light, I'm already craving some more depth to them. Uh, I'm just noticing that as we talked through it, I'm like, um, what more could you do? So I guess maybe a few more um, frameworks to add, um, you know, attacking, um, you know, abilities and defending abilities, Mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, so you can use your wild dice to, you sure. know, launch rocks or, or send a, a poor tar on people or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so that, that might be something I would say. How about you, Josh? Hmm. Yeah. I don't know if there's any really holes. Uh, one thing I think, uh, you know, and it, it kind of makes sense in Warcry, uh, three of the grand alliances can have thralls of some sort. Uh, I really think order needs to have an option to have thralls. I mean, if you want to call them mercenaries, you know, the, maybe they're unusual models that don't fit in that particular faction necessarily, um, but that you could take as thralls to perform a similar function, I think would be really nice. So, uh, you know, whether that's here or a different supplement or whatever else, but it's something I definitely think would be nice to get eventually. How about you, Piven? I... I don't know what remains. This is something that you don't usually do in these kind of annuals, but I would like more narrative expansion to happen. Um, So like the branching quests were cool, but they didn't like, they didn't tease me. They didn't tease or titillate me in ways that like other quests kind of like hinted heavily towards chaos dwarves or shadowy Mm. agents of Malarion or something like we know that's out there on the periphery of the narrative like really excite my imagination. Um, and it didn't give us like a new setting, which is what last year was Soroth core, like really right. like gave us a place to be and to play in. Um, and this, this, this book doesn't, doesn't have that. So I would say if I was going to wish list or if I was feeling unfulfilled in that anyway, it was my kind of like uh, imagination spaces uh, desire. Okay. Yeah. No, some of that, like these these uh, narrative uh, campaigns, if they hadn't already released them, would they have given right. that? Right. Uh, yes and no. Well, one, they did already release them, so like it wasn't new content <laughs> for me. And the other is they. I like the Olfenkarn one particularly because it wasn't retelling the same story. It was telling a like kind of a different story of like warlords trying to plunder a very risky place to plunder, uh, which mm-hmm. is the cursed city. I think that's cool. But the other ones are don't really scratch that itch in that they are telling me a story I'm already aware of. Um, yeah. Again. Sure. Sure. Yeah. So just based on you, you've got a lot of knowledge already. So they didn't quite tease tease you enough in that regard. Yeah. yeah I mean, my this is. I mean, I'm 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 reaching here a bit. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. Yep. Excellent. All right. Our next question is from Rukvazen. Um He asks, at any point, changes uh, any? Did any of the points changes in the warbands upset you, or were there any that you had wanted to see? 
like I said, uh, Untamed Beasts are pretty much perfect as is. And so, I mean, they kind of were left alone. So, yeah. it's fine with me. No, I, I didn't. I haven't played enough Warbands or, mm-hmm. or have any particular Warbands affected gravely by this to um, to really feel that. And that may be something that, you know, as at the end of the year, after playing with the new points, might can't be able to feel that more. But yeah, I can't crunch the numbers. I can't. I can't suss the trends well enough. Yeah. yeah, I think we definitely have to play more to get a feel for. Did it change things a lot or not? Did you have any thoughts on that, Paven? Uh, no, I don't have strong feelings about points. I thought the cheaper stuff would get even more expensive rather than just go up five points. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought they would FAQ the kind of bonkers Gloom Sky gets quad. Uh, but I guess it's not really, I mean, they're not like cleaning up in the tournament season, so maybe it's not that OP. Well, and actually that quad has been used in a different warband as well. So, oh, mm. or something similar to it. Yeah. Interesting. You're in the clear pavement. You can, you can, you can (laughs) be conscious. I won't. I I mean, I feel like I terrorized the the local scene for a good year. (laughs) Uh, It was was like trying to hit pinatas. Uh, so I mean, it was fun. Yeah, like pinatas that hit back like four times as hard. Yeah, spiky pinatas. <laughs> yeah. All right, our next couple questions um, are from Nuno. He uh, he asks how best to use the siege rules, and we we talked about what the siege rules were, were and and setting up siege battles. But I, I think this is maybe a question around you know how how would you best incorporate them? Maybe as perhaps as a narrative campaign, you know, a standalone event. I think it could be a good. Um, teaching game for new players uh when you get a bunch of new play you know like we've done it before where in league we're like hey let's all get introduced to the game like there could be a uh you know just learning activations learning what your war schools are not having a ton of stakes except hey just get across the line mm-hmm. um you know it, it could be a good way to teach a bunch of people how to play the game yeah well that's a good point yeah, I, I agree. I think like a campaign kickoff would be mm-hmm. would be really cool. Like, hey, like first thing that's happening in this campaign is like Karngrad gets sacked or, or not or defended. And then that <laughs> sets the tone of like what's going forward. And I think, yeah, it can be very inclusive and very like, you know, high stakes, but low. You know, you're, it's a team game. It feels less stressful. You know, it's. Well, yeah, it's simple, like Eric talked about. I think that would be very cool. Yeah, that's a great idea. On the yeah, flip. I think I talked. Yeah. Oh, well, you go, go ahead. ahead. I was going to say, before I just talked about incorporating it as a, a midpoint event or something, but yeah, as a kickoff or a teaching game sounds like a great idea. I, go ahead. I think on the flip is you bury it in uh, alternate rules and make it crunchy as hell <laughs> and, uh, you know, turn that into like, um, uh, I don't know if you could turn it into an all-day event, but you could certainly uh you know turn it into a multi-hour event yeah mm-hmm. well, we'll make it like an actual it. siege where there isn't fighting and you're just trying to starve out the warbands inside Ooh, yeah yeah and you, <laughs> or everybody you, just goes for a long everybody's time. trying to smuggle in onions or whatever yeah, yeah or, or you go you go siege <laughs> to to catacombs where you're fighting in the halls and stuff you know and then yeah in the I mean, town be, yeah it would be fun to do uh uh, bring back all hallow siege and um right you know do different stages of sieging and we had uh we had one that was underground uh catacombs but all of the rooms shifted and rotated so it was like a, a shifting maze um mm-hmm. uh 
you know, so it'd be inter- I'm interested to see what siege means in this. Is it just like getting a getting your toe across the line? Is that the game? And then you just have to create a bunch of puzzles and uh, different ways to kind of obstruct and and give choices in that. Mm-hmm. Um, or is it just an excuse to set up uh, your finished uh, dreadhold uh, terrain and uh, go <laughs> ooh and ah? <laughs> a little of everything. <laughs> All right. Well, Nuno, second question is what Bladeborne combos are busted? And I'm not sure any of us have the, a good feel for that. But uh, Yeah, I keep flipping through this to be like, okay, which one's crazy? And, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. But I'm sure time will tell. <laughs> yeah, you said that Molog one seems big. That 510 hit. It's crushing it. Beefy. All right. Next set of questions are from Akarion, do you feel the campaigns presented are tailored to specific war bands, and would you do any adjustments to them to make them more generic? I think Paven and I talked a little bit about this when they started. They first started coming out, but uh, I think they are, well, obviously they are specific moments in time, so they're intended for those particular war bands. But you could easily substitute and just tweak the narrative a little bit, in my opinion. You guys have thoughts on that? I mean, I think it's cool that that there are um, warband specific, like if you wanted to play, you know, Stormcast, or if you wanted to play Lumineth and you had that, uh, the forlorn one, um, you know, it's kind of cool to have that. Uh, but in order to not have FOMO, you got to put out a lot of them. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So, I mean, it's, you could, I'm absolutely a proponent of changing what you want to change to make it your own. Yeah, I, I think that all of them are pretty easy to make generic. I mean, you have to tell your own narrative, uh, whatever narrative you want, you and your friend want to tell, um, and then just like swap out similar, just like point values. Um, and maybe if there's like a special unit that you get to use in that campaign, you you find like an equivalent that you that you can use and use that, or don't use it at all. Yeah, um, I think it's really yeah, thanks. Like the kind of the scaffolding or the infrastructure on these campaigns is very reusable. Usually there's just like a small mini game that's happening like outside of the games of Warcry that can be completely uh, reused. Definitely. All right. And then uh, second question is, how did this solo campaign fare compared to other solo systems you have experienced with? I know, Paven, I know you've done a little bit of the wild fighters and stuff. Did you? Uh, yeah, I, mean, I haven't. I, I I can't speak to the to the rat one because I haven't played it. Um, yeah, yeah. I, the... I, Solo Warcry is okay if it's a pandemic and you don't have any other choice. But it's, I don't know. I don't think it, it's super fun to play by yourself. I think it's really it's a it's a community game. Yeah, the the Rat Hunters campaign uh, does use slightly different wild fighter type rules. Um, you know, they use more of a threat rather than points value. So it could be a little different than the normal wild fighters. And, and maybe it's not as easy to, to gain the system a bit, but uh, yeah, I have not yet tried it. So I don't know how it compares. Uh, it definitely looks interesting. Um, it would be fun to do, especially as a co-op, I think it would be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't done any of that either. So time will soon. Right. Right. And then our last question is from tectonic Dan. He asks, what products you would like to see accompany rules updates for Warcry, like the Realm Objectives from 2019? Now, if you guys remember what those were. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah. I, I, uh, to answer your trivia question, it was that in all of the realm objectives that came out with uh, Soul Wars and Age of Sigmar 2, they eventually mm-hmm. released specific challenge battles to go with those that could be fought around those realm objectives. Uh, so you could use them in your games of Warcry. And I thought that was very cool. Yeah. Yeah. I actually bought them because of that. Yeah. So I would like to see like Dawnbringer Crusade rules for Warcry. Mm. So yeah. like uh, you're defending a settlement or trying to poison the Aqualith at the middle in that like is purifying the land around the Dawnbringer Crusade or things like that to go in all of the new terrain we're getting uh, with Thondia yeah. and other. It was three uh, uh, environments. Right. Right. Yeah, definitely. And even the new stuff they've come out for the Thondia pack, you know, they've got some interesting terrain yep. pieces there. The very affordable box set. Yep. <laughs> no, I think I think the scattered terrain is some of my favorite with Warcry. Um, in that you can quickly change kind of how the space feels with one unique terrain piece. So like um, you know, the 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 storm vault penumbral engine type thing that came in um the soul wars you know terrain box mm-hmm. it just it, it's a big piece that totally changes how the the board feels and I, I really enjoy having some stuff like that so yeah yeah that's awesome cool 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 well, that's all our questions thanks very much for submitting questions for us and thank you very much guys for uh running this podcast episode a lot Absolutely. of really good information Good to have hey, the thanks. team back. Thanks for, for letting me come back and, and talk about stuff. I hope that I didn't traumatize anyone. Uh, <laughs> it was great to have you back, Eric. Always a joy. <laughs> Can't tell if he's serious or not. Is he being <laughs> earnest in this? Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> it's, great to, it's great to be hanging out with you guys again. So I can't wait to play more games and uh, see how Toma Champions 2021 uh, feeds our gaming for the year. Exactly. Great. Thanks for listening, everyone. It's time to put a muzzle on this episode. If it was a good dog, support the show with a positive review on whatever platform you're listening to this podcast. Share it with friends. Join us for hobby discussions at themortalrealms.com backslash discord or leave a tip at themortalrealms.com backslash Patreon. More content is available at themortalrealms.com and on Twitter at Dogs of Warcry.